You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight, I'm joined by uh, Jennifer and Ray. How are y'all doing? Hi. Good. Um, just a quick side note, uh, as you can obviously tell from the title of the episode, we have been reading the Star Wars uh, Aftermath trilogy, and uh, we were going to read the third and final book uh, for this month's show, but uh, we're still in the middle of the coronavirus, and we've had a lot of um, social activism leap out in uh, the U.S. while everything is going on. So, um, to be kind of timely, we decided to, uh, push the final book in that trilogy off for a month. We'll be re- finishing it up and reading that next month. Uh, so instead, we're gonna read something that's definitely a little more timely. Um, so that being said, uh, I also want to again say one other thing. Um, we don't normally jump into political things on our shows. I mean, we will touch on it and we'll make jokes from time to time. Um, but we don't normally jump headfirst into political topics uh this definitely being uh, a little bit different case uh because uh it is very timely and very much of what is going on in the united states so um for anyone who might be you know we consider most of our shows kind of evergreen so you can go back and listen to them at any time uh we are recording this on the first day of july in 2020 and uh the last month has been nothing but Coronavirus updates, the numbers are going down in most of the other countries, except for the United States. They're going up. Because we're number one. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing uh, that has happened was sparked off by the death of um, George Floyd, right? Stuart, yeah. Um, he was like, yeah, the, the one that kind of hit the, one the scales, but there were like three or four directly before that that really – built the powder keg up exactly yeah. and 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 honestly it, and that's exactly how it happened he started his death started it off uh because the video there was very clear evidence of what happened um and then like you said there were three or four pretty close after that and it has just oh, right gone before it. Yeah. Right before, yeah yeah right before Ahmaud Arbery, brianna taylor and then he was kind of the last straw where people were like this yeah. is too many i mean it's always been too many but this is you know right in a row we we can't handle this and and his video was particularly gruesome yes exactly um mention all of the other ones that haven't even been reported right. before right like there's videoed yeah yeah um so not only not only do we have uh um the black lives matter hashtag come back up and the um debate whatever you want to call it about that uh, it has grown into a movement that has also encompassed another hashtag that's that's very going that's going viral, uh, and that is uh, defunding the police. Um, now, like I said, the reason I want to bring this stuff up before we start reading the book is to give you an idea of the time in which we are referring. You know, we're reading this book. Why we're reading this book, um, and you know, anyone's opinions on this, you know, are their own opinions. Um, you know, I, I think we're all pretty much kind of not, I want to say lockstep, but we're all pretty much of the same mind on most of this stuff. Um, but that being said, if this is a topic that you are uncomfortable 
uh, talking about or reading about or listening about or um, I'll be very honest, not in the current mindset to deal with. It may be it can be completely that it's not that you don't care. You just you can't handle this right now. You may have a bunch of other stuff going on like I do, um, which I'll talk about here in just a second. Um, that may, that this book was kind of hard to get through, uh, not just because of the topic material, just because of everything else going on in, in my life. Um, so that being said, if this is the type of topic that for whatever reason you don't feel like you're in the right mindset to handle or whatever, maybe come back and read it later. Uh, maybe come back and listen to this episode later. Uh, but if, if it's something that you're just not comfortable dealing with, completely understand uh, you know, we'll go back to reading fun sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that, like which is our kind of our main topic. Um, next month, um, one of the reasons I was okay with reading this book, though, is because this show does talk about geeky things, and everything can be considered geeky, and that includes politics. Like there are politic geeks out there, and it's not just because they're you know a fanboy of of one side or the other. It's just they really like politics, so. That's why I was like, you know what? This is this falls under our wheelhouse. Uh, so, with that being said, um, I'm gonna go ahead and start off. Uh, when Jen suggested this book, I want to say it was the beginning of the month, right? Sounds about Maybe? right. Beginning of yeah. June. It was about the beginning of the month, and I was like, okay, sure, this that sounds cool. We'll read this book. Uh, which, by the way, I still haven't mentioned. I mean, the the title of the episode's on there, but. The book that we're reading this month is uh, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, and I was like, cool, that's that. Sure, that's fine. You know, we had a quick discussion um, about reading the book and who was going to read the book and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then about a week later on the 7th, my father passed away unexpectedly. And so I've been dealing with that to include uh, having high anxiety to the point that I sent myself to the hospital because I confuse an anxiety attack with a heart attack. Um, so needless to say, when I say that I, I there was a lot of good stuff in this book, it was hard to read not just because not necessarily because of the topic material, but just because I was not really in the right mindset for this. Um, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my house right now. Um, we're putting in a pool. There's a bunch of stuff that's coming along with that that I didn't realize was coming along with it. Um, my job, I have a job, which is great, and I'm very thankful that I still have a job. But I don't know what my job is going to look like in the fall. I work at a high school, and in the state of Texas right now, the numbers keep going up. So we don't know what school is going to look like. So even though I have a job – and I can't do anything about it, that's still in the back of my mind is what what is coming on. And then, like I said, my father passed away. And my brother has been very helpful. My family has been very supportive. My friends have been very supportive. But, you know, I've been dealing with that. So um, trying to expand my mind and heart to um, help other people to – to be part of the fight, I, I have not had the mental or emotional bandwidth to do that. Um, our friend Lainey, I would say, is a little maybe on the other side. She's constantly posting stuff, which is fine. That's that's her that's her deal. That's her deal. Um, yeah, I wish Lainey would have joined us for this one because I know she's read it. 
Has right she here. read it? Well, pretty um, sure she has. But um, you know, the the only thing I did was there was the one day of like changing your your icon to be black, uh, you know, for the blackout thing. And I understand there was some back and forth on that, but anyway, that's all I could muster. Like I can't I can't deal with even the majority of the people that I follow on Facebook and stuff, I'm sure probably kind of feel like me. I do have some people that might be on the other side. Um I don't have the the bandwidth or capability right now to post stuff. And like the most political thing I've been posting has been like our, our, our governor today finally said we are mandating masks for the rest of the month. And that was about as political as I'm willing to get right now, just because it's so stupid. It it is stupid, but it's also like, I don't think (laughs) I'm not going to get any pushback on that. I'm not going to get any, well, what about this? I don't have the mental capacity for that right now. And I would probably be just, I would probably just reply, fuck you and, and unfriend them. Um, I'm just kind of in that mind space. So that being said, like I said, I wanted to get some of that stuff out there, kind of tell you where my mind was. Um, reading the book, uh, I know this is kind of the part where we just kind of say whether or not really quickly, whether we liked it or not. I did enjoy the book. There are some places where I was like, ooh, ooh you're getting a little, little far over there for me. But usually it was in the parts where he is describing the man that he used to be when he was a younger man. And um, I would say like literally not quite militant, but getting pretty militant on on some things. Um, But in the end, the ideas that he puts forth in this book are very much middle of the road. And I can completely get behind it. Like it's 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 not. It's not to the point of, you know, this is racist, so to to be anti-racist, we have to pull back this other way and favor these other people. It's literally, no, to be anti-racist, like, everyone has to be the same. There's not going to be, we're not singling anyone out, everyone needs to be the same. And I'm very much behind that ideology. So, I, I did enjoy that, enjoy the book for, for that aspect. So, um, Ray, would you like to go next? Yeah, I was, I was going to jump in there and just say... Um the the book is it can be a hard listen um, especially if you're not uh, ready for some of the words that he uses in it uh, it is not one to be listening to um, if you're not prepared for you know hearing words that I don't consider to be socially acceptable and I don't think that they are socially acceptable uh, but they're used appropriately in the way that he you know, he describes, like you said, uh, the way he used to be, as well as, um, you know, acknowledging certain things. I, I am appreciative that he went into the history of, of race uh, and where, you know, kind of stems from. Um, I'm thankful that he, you know, I, I like those parts when he was going back into the history of uh, the segregation of, of the different uh, races and how that all started and everything, because I didn't know. Um, where it began. And so that was kind of a, a good part to listen to. Um, but I mean, overall I did enjoy it. There's sometimes it feels like he's hitting over the head too often <laughs> with the, with the idea, uh, where it's like, okay, I get it. Let's move on to the next part. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so it's like, okay, yeah, let's move on. Um, but overall I, I enjoyed the book to, to the point of, you know, self-reflection, um, 
before this whole thing, I would have been one of the people that said, listen, I'm, I'm not racist. So I just try and, you know, uh, try and treat everybody equally. And that's kind of how I just have always been. That's how I was raised. Um, so that was kind of a, okay, you got to take the next step. And that's what this book was meant for me to be is, okay, let's, let's learn how to do what I need to do to at least support, uh, anybody that's, needs it so jen um yeah so i was the one that suggested the book and (laughs) did not finish because i had a uh scare last week a covid scare it was negative but i was kind of like out for an entire week so um playing catch up on a lot of things and unfortunately didn't get through the whole book but i will finish it um i think it's it's really important that we have these difficult discussions and that we challenge our belief systems. Um, even if we think, you know, we're the least racist person or we're the most, uh, understanding open-minded person. Um, the point of this discussion of, of this book and the discussions that have come from all of the, you know, recent events is that we have to continue to challenge ourselves and that we can't get complacent, um, because this isn't a one-off thing, like we're going to fix it overnight or in, in a couple of years, like this is a, a lifetime thing, right? We have to continually work on ourselves and recognize the systemic racism that exists. And I mean, even as I was listening to this, thinking back through over the years, the things that I've learned, you know, um, I realized, wow, that was pretty, you know, small-minded of me, or I didn't realize you know, I was being um, racist in that way or I was being closed minded. So I think, you know, recognizing our mistakes, as he said repeatedly, and being willing to learn from them is 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 the best thing we can do. Um, if we just deny that we have anything wrong with us, then that's we're part of the problem. So, <laughs> yeah. well, let's so yeah, I, I appreciate everybody that's listening and, and you guys, you know, being uncomfortable and, and trying to learn and, you know better ourselves um so let's one of the things that we brought up when we first discussed whether or not we read this book or not um and especially discussing it um is uh, do we need an outside opinion uh particularly possibly finding someone uh um, non-white we'll just leave it at that um and my first opinion of it was no we don't need anyone anyone else if we want to invite someone else that's great especially if it was someone who because we've had authors on before um so you know if we found someone that had like you know a particular viewpoint or was like you know perhaps like you know uh had a background in you know say the study of this field or whatever that would be that would be acceptable but just you know just getting someone on there i, I didn't feel like we needed that you know the, the 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 book show is our opinions of the books um, there was a point and uh, like I said, I wasn't in the right mindset to read this book. So I'm, I'm going to be a little foggy here, but there was a point in the book. He said something that, uh, I felt justified my opinion in that it was that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone has an opinion on this and everyone's opinion needs to be heard and voiced. And so I was like, okay, cool. So yay. He feels the same way I do. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, because yes, we do. We have to we have to recognize that it's three white people talking about a book on race. But 
that's kind of the key interesting thing about this book is that it's, you know, to me, the main point of the book was, um, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's different. Races are different. Um, you know, cultures are different, but we, we need to work towards systems where no one is, no one is singled out. Everyone is the same. Um, and that's where I, that's where I felt like I really agreed with the book. So, but in his earlier study, it talks about him growing up. Um, and, uh, I think the first story he tells, or one of the first stories he tells is about him giving, um, his, his graduation speech. And it was very much, it was very much, uh, as, as he put it, um, uh, you know, looking down on, on, on black people as in, you know, you all, everyone has the same opportunities. And, and if you're not here, it's because it's your choice. It's because you made the decision. Um, and that's one of the things that's coming out, especially now in the media is that, you know, it's, it's kind of a new term into our, our normal lexicon is systematic racism. And when you start, when you start explaining that, that's when it's just like, yeah, that's, that's some bullshit. Like, cause. We don't I mean, all have the same opportunities and. No. We're not all born into the same system. And you look at it and you would, you know, so let's take a school district because he does bring that up, for example. Let's take a school district, for example. Um, you know, granted, you know, different areas of a of a uh, city or, or or what have you get taxed at different rates. But then when you look, at your, you would think, OK, well, then what will end up happening is every student, every school will get an equal portion of that pie. But that's not what happens. And. I understand you live in a, uh, you know, a higher tax bracketed area. And so you would like to have, you know, that having nice schools would be one of those things. But sorry, the money needs to get split up. Like it should not be that on average, you know, white students or black students or female students or male students or whatever it is, there should not be this vast difference in how much money every kid gets. Um, and we see that, especially in the state of Texas, this was a huge problem years ago. Um, they introduced uh, Robin Hood, which was basically taking money from very high-income school districts, like, say, larger cities, Dallas, Austin, so on and so forth. They were taking some of that money, and they were dispersing it to low-income cities. And people were having a problem with it. And it's just like, you know, to me, I'm like, you know, I always thought I was always behind that idea. I was like, of of course, like it just take all of the tax money that's supposed to go to schools, put it in a big pot and just start, how many kids do you have in your school? Here's how much money you get. How many kids do you have in your school? Here's how much money you get. That's how it should work. But that's not how it works. No. So. Um. And, and there's, it's not just education. I mean, when you talk about inequities in funding, that, that, that plays a huge role, right? Because people are starting out in their formative years with less, um, resources, you know, teachers that aren't paid as well or don't have as, as much, as many, um, you know, supplies or whatever the case is, or they're in older rundown buildings. 
Um, but but also, I mean, there's things like redlining that have occurred for years where African-American families were not allowed to buy houses in certain neighborhoods and they were basically segregated into certain parts of, of cities and states. Um, gerrymandering, you know, restricts how, you know, the districts are set up so that when you go to vote, they, they specifically might cut in half a certain group of people to make sure that the vote gets split and mm-hmm. the folks that they want to be in don't get elected. And, and I mean, so there's things like that that the people don't even think about. And that's on top of, you know, the hundreds of years of, you know, coming from an ancestry based in enslavement and the fact that after enslavement ended, those folks did not have, you know, access uh, to bring themselves up. And, and a lot of people were struggling. And then there were, you know, Jim Crow. So, I mean, it, you got to go all the way back. You can't just look at it today and say, well, why aren't you working? You're lazy and you're not, you know, pulling yourselves up from your bootstraps because some people don't even have boots, you know. So, yeah, like, that's yeah, that's just not but, how, but how he, it works. Like he even goes into it right where uh, he talks about his. Um, his education and how he they paid for this extra course for him to get ready for the SATs and they just teach them how to write the SAT so that he does better on that part and he's like why isn't this just taught everywhere so that and it's it's almost as if uh, they specifically do this so that um, you know, people that don't have access to that. Do yeah, work. they don't have money. Yeah. And like he it's said, like a poll tax to vote. <laughs> yeah, and everyone freaking, like in education, most everyone in education fucking hates the SATs and, and everything else. The sta- those standardized tests are bullshit because like he said, what the class he took was not teaching him to be smarter. It was teaching him how to take the test. Here's how they want you to answer. Here's how you need to think about when you answer. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, when I went through my master's program, to get my uh, ed ad certification, that was one of the classes that we went over was um, they specifically told you when you go to take this test, it's going to give you a situation. Do not answer the way you think it should happen. Answer the way it would happen in a perfect world. And we're like, are you serious? And they're like, yes, if you answer how in a perfect world this should be handled, you'll pass the test. Yeah, sure enough. Fine colors. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you know, if granted, I went through what I thought was a really good program. But if you didn't tell anyone that you would go through a, a master's program and be like, well, why can't I pass the test? I, I'm answering money for nothing. Exactly. And it's because they want you to answer in a certain way. So, yeah, I, when he brought that up, I, I specifically was just like right on. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's I mean, I think. Part of this journey of becoming an anti-racist, right, is, is like I said earlier, recognizing what you don't know. I mean, I'll give an example from my life. You know, growing up, um, I would I would say I viewed the police as people that keep me safe, right? If I ever felt unsafe, I felt confident in calling the police. Or, you know, if I was pulled over by one, I got I've had enough speeding tickets in my life to know what that's like. <laughs> um, I never thought to, I mean, I wasn't going to make any sudden movements, but I never thought to like put my hands in the air and announce everything I was doing. It was just, okay, I need, I'm getting my wallet. I would, you know, open my glove box, never had an issue, but 
as I've gotten older and listened to my friends and the stories of others, I realized that's not the experience everyone has. And that's something I never would have known if I hadn't been willing to just pay attention to other people because me just saying, well, that's not how it is for me. So stop complaining. is not the answer. The answer is I need to acknowledge that, that my experience is different from yours and respect that and try to help make your experience equitable to mine. Yeah. It's um, a couple of uh, it's a couple of years ago. I remember reading this article and it stuck out to me just because unlike you, Jen, like my, my dad's a cop. Uh, he, he's retired now, but uh, I raised, I was raised with knowing that the police are there to help me. Um, and so to, to not have that, I, I don't even know what that would be like. So uh, this article that I read uh, was about a woman um, and this is going back to one of the, like I said, a couple of years ago when somebody else had passed away because of police brutality. And she, so she wrote that uh, she was, in her late 20s, she had the kids in the car. She was packed. She was moving out of an area, um, and she, they were moving to this other area. And she was really tired, and she she realized that she was starting to get lost. She's really nervous, and all of a sudden, the cherries come on, and she's getting pulled over, and she's terrified because she's a black woman in this other neighborhood, and she doesn't know where she is, and and the police officer to his credit, came up to her and was like, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm so sorry. What did I do wrong? And he's like, listen, I, I just pulled you over because you looked lost. You looked like you needed some help. I just wanted to check in on you. And she just immediately started bawling uh, because she'd never known that that help before. Uh, and, you know, that's that's terrifying that somebody doesn't, you know, know just because of the color of the skin. It, it's not something that... I can ever uh, even think of knowing, and it's so that one stuck out to me, um, just because it's such an, a moving uh, story. So well, that definitely did not end the way I thought it was going to when you started. So I'm glad that was a happy. It, and story. The, but it was the happy story that that made me realize like she was terrified. I remember, like she thought she was going to jail that night because she was lost in the wrong neighborhood, and the cops like, listen, I'm just trying to help you like it's can you can you imagine i mean both of y'all are parents having to have that discussion with your kids at five or six saying if you see a police officer you freeze you put your hands in the air and you don't make any sudden movements because they're they have to be taught at a young age children of color that their bodies are weapons, as, as he says in the book. You know, my black body is a threat to you because of the color of my skin. So I have to I have to do twice as much to not appear like a threat. I, I mean, I watched a video. It was heartbreaking. And it was from a few years ago where parents had the talk with their kids. And I mean, it was just like heart wrenching to see the kids reaction. And of course, the parents reaction. And it's like nobody should ever have to have that talk with their children. But Again, that's something I never knew growing up, and hearing about it now is just, like, unbelievable. Yeah. I think it also has to do, especially with the area that you're in. Um, I mean, you know, granted, it could definitely be happening here more than I know about it, but, I mean, I also have friend, you know, several friends that are police officers and such, and, you know, um, you know, talking to them, it's just, 
you know, they're, it, it, like I said, now granted, our area also had a peaceful protest and the police literally showed up to show their support. So I think we're in a little bit different situation, especially than like the larger cities like Dallas and Austin is having some huge issues. Um, but Colleen is a very, um, diverse city. I mean, exactly. we're a military town and, and I think I'm not saying racism does not exist here and, and it definitely does, um, that, but it, it's definitely yeah. different here. Because like I said, right. you know, and, and kind of going back to what you were saying, Ray, you know, I've always said, I'm, no, I'm not. A, hell, I can't be a racist in Colleen, not in, not in survive. But I mean, like my 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 friends growing up, you know, growing up were Korean, Syrian, um, Mexican, uh, bl- you know, black. It's just like, you know, it was just. I'm prejudiced, but I'm prejudiced against assholes. Like, I, I don't, you know, I really don't care what the color, you know, if, especially, I mean, if you look, and this is one of those things that's like, you know, you're racist if you have to point out you have black friends. But I mean, it's like <laughs> the group of guys that I hang out with at the, at the campus tech meetings, three of them are black. The other two guys are as white as I am. And I mean, we're the ones that everyone is like, you know, those are the assholes back there making jokes and, and being, making snide comments and stuff like that. And I'm like, I gravitated toward these guys because they're all hardworking. They all know their shit and they're cool dudes. So, you know, I have to keep in mind that me just because the situation maybe isn't like that exactly here, or at least not that I see, um, it's not always the case. For example, um, my father, when we, we buried him, we buried him in a little town called Bartlett. I brought up one time to my group of friends at the camp state meeting, something or another about Bartlett and, the two black guys looked at me and are like, you, you go to Bartlett? I'm like, like, I haven't been there in years. I said, that's where my grandfather's married. And they're like, yeah, black folks don't go to Bartlett. Yeah. I'm just like, even, okay, cool. That's all I need to know. <laughs> even Florence. I mean, there's, I have a friend who's Hispanic and he, he said, nope, I pulled over into a gas station once and I got the, can I help you look? And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm good. And he just left. I mean, you don't have to go very far outside of Colleen to, to experience that. And, you yeah. know, living in the South, there's still a lot of small towns that are very small minded. <laughs> yes. Well, and I will say, uh, after, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement started up again, and I don't, I don't mean that it started because it's, it never left after years ago. Um, there's been a push, especially in Canada, because uh, there's racism up here, but it's it's not uh, it's been well hidden. Um, there's been there was there were some horrible uh, schools that were for the native uh, kids. Uh, I can't remember the name of them. Off the residential First Nations or uh, no, it was a residential schools what they called oh. them. Um, and they would pull kids out of their family uh, and oh yeah, them to go to these schools. And uh, do you remember the name of the kid? There was there was a young kid anyway. He ran away from the school to go back home and died uh, in the middle of nowhere, just trying to get back to his family because he was so far away from them. Wow. Uh, and, and we didn't learn it like this was happening right up until ninety six. Wow. So nineteen ninety six collapsed close, and that's insane to me. Like it, entire we, generations of of. Cultures we, are lost. We didn't know anything about it, and we didn't uh, we didn't learn about it in the schools. I'm th- I'm thankful that uh, 
you know, our daughter was learning about it in, in her history class. Uh, it's something that Canada has acknowledged now and that um, they're, you know, trying to at least uh, accept that it's part of our past. But uh, it's just, you know, devastating to learn that, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being a welcoming group and, uh, you know, accepting country but we can't even accept our own natives and and that's that's pretty sad so and i think that's important though that all countries have some kind of you know bad periods right but but we need to acknowledge them and if we don't it's so disrespectful to the folks that had to experience that and and their ancestors i mean in the u.s there's yeah we talk about slavery and you know, the Native Americans in, in school, but it's it's not like you really get the, the you know, they gloss over it. You don't yeah. get the full story. And then once you get to college and you start actually reading about this stuff, you're like, oh, no, we were pretty horrific to, I mean, and even the Japanese internment camps, I was just the eugenics about to bring movement. That up. I mean, we've done some really shitty things to, to people who are not white. And, and even, you know, some groups within European descent, even white people, because he brings up he brings up like how the Irish were treated, you know, in New York. Catholics and, and yeah. Yeah. Like it's we've been shitty to everyone at some point or another. It's just. But we need to acknowledge it and and not forget about it so it doesn't happen again, because, I mean, it's well, happening again. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that I like that he brought up, though, was um, what he doesn't stand for, what anti-racist doesn't stand for, because I've heard a lot of people say. Uh, you know, you, and it's something that I was guilty for too. Is you know, oh, I don't see color, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't see. I see your character, and I'm colorblind. Yeah. I'm colorblind, right? And, and yep. Part of the problem with that is, and is that then you, you, you expect there to act the same in every situation, um, and you don't accept their culture potentially. Uh, and I, I like the fact that everybody uh, in an anti-racist world. You're accepted for your culture. You're accepted for, uh, you know, your your history, and um, but it's all treated equally, and, and I think that's important. It's uh, celebrated instead of looked yeah, down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. Really, rather I, than saying it doesn't exist or you know. I mean, that's something I had to unlearn too. Is is that being colorblind is not the ideal thing because we kind of grow up hearing, oh, I'm colorblind, everyone's the same, I don't see color, blah blah blah, but then you realize, you know, that you're kind of offensive that way. (laughs) And being anti-racist is better than being colorblind. There's a difference. Right. Yeah. Different. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, so, um, at, at my, um, at the, uh, uh, viewing for my father, um, Lainey's, uh, boyfriend is, um, well, he's Greek, but he also has, has Mexican heritage and he asked her, he's like, so wh- when's the party and where are we having it? And she's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, usually when someone, when Mexican people die, like it's the viewing and then it's an all night party until the thing. And it was like, yeah, we don't, we don't really do that. And it like, kind of blew his mind a little bit, but it's just like, yeah, I understand that. I could, I could see that. And it's one of those things like, you know, we, we joke and he, he especially likes to joke about it. Um, just that, you know, um, yeah, he's different. And, you know, he, he, he takes his, he takes his white girlfriend down to meet the, the, you know, the, the Mexican family members and, you know, she can't handle it, you know, barely any hot stuff and, and, you know, stuff like that. But it's, 
yes, it's poking fun, but it's also acknowledging the difference. But I mean, like his his family like freaking loves her to death. Um, right. like we've taken him, like you know, I've already started calling him my brother-in-law. Like he has. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't technically even proposed yet. I'm just like, yeah, it's my brother-in-law. It's Joseph. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, noticing and recognizing those differences. Well, like my friend Lewis, um, he came up for, he, he knew my dad. Yeah, hell, I've known Lewis since I was five. He came up and just reconnecting with him was, was great when he was up here, you know, for my dad's funeral and stuff. Uh, but you know, we, you know, his, you know, his family was, you know, we, we knew he was Mexican. They had different, they did things differently than we did. We did different thing, you know, and it was just like, cool. Let me, let me be part, you know, if y'all are cool with me being here and being part of this, let me be part of this or whatever. So, you know, like I, I call his mom, mom, like I haven't seen her in a while. And when I get, you know, whenever I saw her at the funeral, I was like, hi mom, how are you doing? And like, it's, you know, it, there's a difference. Like you said, you know, and, and I was guilty of that as well. I'm being colorblind, but in honesty, I'm not. I see what, you know, I see who you are. I, I want to see who you are. And, you know, if you're one of those people who is just like, no, whatever, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not that traditional or whatever. That's cool. If you are traditional, cool. Whatever you want to share and explain, I'm, I'm open to. And I've always tried to be that way, but I did use that term, like you said, of being colorblind, not realizing kind of what it really, kind of really represented and and you know this book opened my eyes to that i'm like no i'm not colorblind and i won't i won't say that anymore i'll be like no i i recognize you as a black man are you cool do you know what you're doing do are you not an asshole to other people we can be friends yeah so yeah yeah um there was something else i was gonna bring up Not for what it was. If someone else got something else to say, by I'm well, I was going to jump back to what we started with the discussion about systemic racism. So yes, I um, wrote something down that stuck out to me. Um, he said Americans have long been trained to notice deficiencies in people versus deficiencies in policy. Yes, and that really hit me because what he, I think the example he used was like welfare or you know, some kind of public assistance, right? And and people like to argue that, well, the folks that are on welfare are on it because they're lazy and they don't, you know, want to get a job and they, they don't want to work, whatever, um, versus the policy behind it that made it necessary, you know, like the, the laws that are in place or the, the restrictions or whatever that make people live in this cycle of poverty. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because if you look at a lot of the, you know, the laws going back through history, um, you can kind of see how that set up, you know, this ripple effect to get folks where they are today. The other thing that I was very interested that he said was that the majority of um, especially uh, black people that were able to get uh, like uh, the social assistance wouldn't take it because they didn't want that handle because they didn't want to be that person. And you know, I, I've been on, on what we, we call it POGI up here, right? It's an unemployment uh, insurance. And so that, that way when, uh, when I lost my job, I had some money still. And it allowed me to get through a couple of months in order to get another job and continue our life afterwards. And, um, you know, it, it's there for a reason. And, and you, I'm thankful it's there. And I wish... Uh, I wish that it was more accepted to be on it if you need it, because 
is yeah you're as soon as you as soon as you're on it you feel dirty you feel like oh you know i feel yeah, like i'm yeah. taken from people and you want to get it off as soon as you can so it's a hand up not a hand out that's right so, sometimes folks just need like you said a little bit to help help them get through the the tough times and there's nothing wrong with that yeah well, like there's that common misconception that if you're on welfare it just automatically means you're lazy, you don't have a job, you know, lots of other things go along with that, that you're a drug user, so on and so forth. And, you know, there was a, a state that was, you know, and I have to say, at first I thought, well, that kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Let's, if you're going to be on welfare, you have to get drug tested. And so they did it and they spent millions of dollars to catch like 75 people, which, you know, they canceled their welfare, which ended up being like, you know, $50,000 of that. And it's like, so you spent $7 million or whatever the number was to, to basically cut people off of $50,000. Y'all wasted a crap ton of money. But I'm glad y'all did it, not us, so that, you know, everyone else can hopefully go, okay, yeah, this is a stupid That's idea. Dumb. But, yeah. I, you know, you get that mentality, like you said, of, well, if I'm, if I'm on these systems, that automatically makes me this type of person. But here's the thing. Even if there are people out there that that take advantage of the system, I'm not going to deny that, right? There are shitty people who don't want to work. They figure out how to work the system. They keep having kids, whatever, to to, to get their welfare check. I will not deny that. But that is such a small percentage of the, the folks that are on that assistance. And I would rather give money to those folks if it means that the 95 to 98 percent of the people that actually need it get their assistance than take it away from everybody because of that one or two percent. I mean, in a country that claims to be so, you know, Christian and, and caring about your neighbors and all that, we, we really, you know, shit on people who need help. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> I'm not going to mince words here. Here's here's a here's a good here's a good example. Um, my wife transferred to another campus. The campus she is at right now is a low income school, and every student that goes there gets free breakfast and lunch. Um, of course, we took advantage of it. We're like, well, we don't have to make lunches and breakfast for the boys, and they actually like it because all of, most of their other friends are are eating the same lunches and and breakfast as well. To the point that they get on Christy for, we want to be the first ones in line or close to the first ones in line. Mommy, can you hurry up? Um, but whenever, uh, whenever COVID hit and of course a lot of stuff closed down, a lot of the schools and our district continued to hand out lunch, uh, breakfast and lunches, uh, which I thought, you know, is great. It needs to happen. I feel bad about the poor employees that had to do that though, because, you know, they were, if they were being properly, um, shielded, it wouldn't have been such an issue, but I don't think that was happening in the beginning. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so my wife finds out about this announcement and they're basically said, if your kid in the state of Texas, um, attends one of these schools and follow and falls into one of these three categories, you are eligible for a, like basically a government assistance card for food. And she's like, I'm going to apply for it because we technically fall under this thing. And I was a little hesitant at first. I thought, Man, I don't know if I feel good about this because am I taking money away from someone else? And then I talked to a friend of mine that's kind of in one of these systems and they told me you had better freaking take it. And I was like, okay. And they're like, here's how it works. They look at, here's how many kids we have. We're going to budget this much money for it. If you don't take it, 
that percentage goes down and the government looks at it as, oh, well, then we don't need to put as much money into these systems. Use it or lose it, yeah. And it's like, well, then, yes, I'm glad we're taking it and using it. Yes, it does help out my family right now. It's not like I'm taking it away from someone else, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a, a, a service by taking it because I, that would suck for them to look at a percentage, and especially if it's a very slight margin of, oh, well, we didn't reach, you know, 67%. We only hit 66%. We're going to cut the funding by 25%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All imaginary numbers. But yeah. I definitely see that shit happening. And like I said, talking to someone who works in those type of systems. And so, like you were saying, you know, we have people out there who genuinely need the help, but don't want that label and won't do it. And so less funding goes into it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's, that's heartbreaking. So I'm like you, Jen, I'd rather, you know, yes, there are some bad apples out there, but they're bad apples in everything. So, um, well, I was just saying, then what happens is they don't take the help. Um, heaven forbid they get sick. They have to go to the ER. They can't afford, you know, the health care. It ends up going back to us and we end up paying more for it. Exactly. You know, I mean, it, that's a health care example, obviously, but like, the same can be said for a lot of forms of assistance. And, and, and honestly, like if people are in poverty, then a lot of times they do turn to crime, petty thefts or whatever, because they just, they're hungry. They need to get by, you know, just, I mean, just, just give people some basic assistance and they won't get to that point. You know, it's all, we were talking about systemic and kind of built in. The, the other thing I was going to say about the whole systemic thing, I was fascinated to hear his story about Florida and the vote that happened with uh, George Bush and yes. uh, the hanging chat. That, that whole, yeah, that whole thing blew my mind. But then to read the newspaper or some of the news on Kentucky and what was going on there, I was going to bring that up. I am shocked. That that's going on, and you know what? I'm uh, part of me is not now that I'm thinking about it, uh, because if they actually allowed everybody to vote that that wanted to vote, then I have a feeling that the current uh, regime would never get in. Cocaine Mitch would probably not still be the head of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, uh, majority Senate majority. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, that was, I was going to bring that up because that was, that's a very obvious thing. Like that was, that was not trying to, that was under the, the ruse of, um, you know, we need to be safe for COVID, which is a legitimate thing, but the way that it was done was ridiculous. And, and the fact that it was done in certain areas over others was clearly, clearly, uh, you know, a, a breakdown for, oh, well, we only want certain people who are most likely going to vote a certain way to make sure they get, you know, don't or, or, or do get in. Was it Jacksonville that had one voting station? Mm-hmm. For like, yeah. It was, it, voter suppression. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It's so. insane. The, you know this, you don't even live in this country, but the voting like system in this in America is shit. It's 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 laughable. There are so many ways to suppress the vote still. We have voter ID laws in Texas. You know, you have to have an ID card to vote. Um 
I mean, they, they just make it so hard. Some places don't have early voting, same day voting. I mean, or, or registration. We we have to register 30 days before, and and I mean, there's just so many things we could do across the board to make it easier for everybody to have access to vote. Not to mention the electoral college. Don't even get me started. Oh yeah. Don't get me started on that one. The yeah the, you know the thing that kills me about the the, um. Uh, well, someone brought up something or another. I don't remember what it was right offhand, but they were like, you know, my, my bank. I'm able to bank online, and that's my oh, money, yeah. but I can't be allowed to vote because y'all are now. Granted, uh, the voting stuff that the the electronic voting stuff that some of the uh, groups tried doing, like especially uh, back before everything blew up, uh, was that Utah? Uh, was it, and a, an absolute disaster in the Democratic. Uh, oh, uh, the, primary. the primary in, in Iowa. Iowa, that's what it was. Yeah, the Iowa yeah, primary Iowa, was garbage. Yeah, bet on that. I mean, um, but I mean, this is not something that should be that hard. Hell, if you know, if they tell you you can only vote by p- holding up your ID picture next to your face and taking a picture and submitting it, okay, sure, fine, whatever, but make it so that's another way for people can vote. There shouldn't be, yeah. So the caucus system is stupid. Oh yeah, the caucus is garbage. But. And it does it does kind of discourage voter participation because it's not anonymous, it's not accessible to everybody. So there are issues with that. But luckily, that's not how the majority of states do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's you know like you said you know so you know and and he talks about that you know systemic racism you know you you've got not only government funding but you've got like you said voter uh, voting um, you've got the education system that is just you know whacked out like for example um i have whenever covid started happening they came forward and said you know we're going to start handing out laptops to to students they have to meet certain qualifications the laptops do um looking at it on my campus i have about 150 between 140 and 150 general use laptops for general use for students I have several other labs that are desktops, but those are also general use. I have a total of, I want to say 60 or 70 mobile labs. Probably half of them are laptops with at least 25 laptops a piece, but they're all for specific, specially funded groups. And I was not allowed to use those because I was like, well, I know you're saying the, the assist, a student needs a laptop, you know, a, a Windows laptop because all I had were Macs. I know you're saying they need a Windows laptop, but this was bought with STEM money by the federal government. I can't just give this to any kid yeah. unless y'all want, unless y'all are telling me the rules out the window, which they didn't tell me that. But it's like, you know, and 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 I've always hated that term anti-racist because it it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like no, it's still racist. It's just racist against someone else. Uh, which 90% of the time, that's not the case. No, you mean not anti-racist. Not anti-racist, reverse I racism. mean reverse racism. Reverse that's racism. what, yeah. Um, sorry, I misspoke there. It's like, that's um, what we're talking about. Though. Yes, I know, right? That Eugene, have you lost your brain? Um, but no. And so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that's like, you know, and I complain about this. I'm like, you know, we're, we, I've brought so many new computers onto this campus, but they're only for certain kids. And I understand it's coming from government funds. And I'm happy to have the stuff, and we do kind of find ways around it so that general ed students can use it. But 
it's gotten to the point. Some of these special programs have gotten to it, it's it's it you know it's it really puts so unless your kid unless your kid is in a specific group and they're just a general average kid they don't get the support that they need and that gun goes and that goes back to that dollar per kid you know spent it's just and and, and um and you know once again going back to this covid thing it's like you know i only had to hand out now granted most of the kids knew that it really isn't going to make a huge difference on their grades but i only handed out about 40 or 50 laptops to to students that said that they needed them to do online learning or whatever and you could very clearly see because I got all this information from the parents because I still have to get a bunch of them back. But I'm like, you know, I need your address and your phone number and this, that and the other. And getting them back is hard because a lot of these people don't have phones and they don't have a general Internet connection. And their addresses all seem to be hitting in about the same area of the, you know, of the town. And it's like, you know, it's this is very clear and especially in a, you know, I don't know what you it's not pre or post it's current in a current covid situation with education the kids who have are able to stay home and have you know a decent internet connection are going to have a vastly superior advantage over those who don't so and, and it's bullshit this ties into something that I uh, I just was thinking about so the other thing that he brings up is the whole capitalism and racism and, and Eugene you and I had a uh, beginning of a conversation a little while ago I was saying capitalism does not work. And now I kind of see why as to what he was tying it into race. And uh, like, can you, can you uh, summarize that? Cause I haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other interesting thing about uh, this whole COVID thing, and wouldn't it be amazing if somebody who's almost going to be a billionaire or with, with a trillionaire, he's almost a trillionaire. Wouldn't it be amazing if he said, you know what, I'm going to buy every student in America a computer to make sure that they have access. Because mm-hmm. he's got the money for it. Mm-hmm. He's He is raking in the money and he's treating his employees like absolute shit. And so it, it, it would be amazing if, if, uh, if that asshole would actually get off his, uh, his ass. <laughs> Something. Jeff or Mark or who we talking Jeff. We're talking about Jeff. The Amazon is like, what a piece of shit. So it would be absolutely amazing if, if he came out and said, you know what, I'm going to support America because that's where I made my millions and, and billions. And, and we're going to actually help out the everybody. And everybody gets an equal computer. And we're going to make sure that they have access that they need in order to actually educate everybody the exact same way. Uh, and, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it pisses me off that you have people like that. I, it, but it, it just, it spreads out even further, right? Like, um, and he talks about it in the book as well, where the, the top percentage of, of the money is all going to these little bit of people way up at the top yep. and they have more than what they could ever need. The middle class is disappearing. And- yeah. Oh, richer, yeah. getting richer. The, what, what is it like? One or two percent of the population owns eighty or ninety percent of the wealth yeah, in the world. It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's something stupid ridiculous. Like that. It, is it like that in Canada? Like, is the the distribution of wealth as bad? It's up there? it's uh, yeah, it's pretty worldwide. Yeah, 
the last thing I read was it's pretty worldwide. So, yeah. and yet, We're you know, you have those, you have those occasional people that step out of that mold. That's like Bill Gates. That was like the richest man in the world. And was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stand about malaria. No one seems to be worried about this. So, you know what? Fuck yeah. y'all. I'm going to do what I want. And just like, and it's, yeah, there are standout companies and, and yeah. business people like Patagonia paid i mean they already put one percent of their profits towards environmental and sustainability issues but they took the money they would have paid in taxes after trump's tax cuts and they donated it they said you know what this is all money we were going to pay in taxes we're going to donate it to a nonprofit." my I biggest mean, problem was oh i'm sorry i was going to say no. my biggest problem was because when ray and i started having this conversation that was one of the reasons that was one of the issues that i kind of i didn't completely agree with i I think – I guess you want to say ideologically or pure capitalism can work. The problem we have is the idea behind capitalism should be that if you're the best, you should you should rise to number one. The problem what we have is that the people who did that then went to the politicians and had laws passed that keep anyone else from competing. That's where I have the biggest problem. Or like Ray said, they invest outside of our country. They move their operations so they can make even more money. Right, and in, in a lot of cases, it's moving overseas, and you and, know, in sla- modern day slavery in a lot of those cases. Yes, places that do not have humane working conditions or pay or anything. Yeah. So, like I said, uh. it's you know we we differ a little bit there, but I I, I mean I see it. Um, I you know I I don't quite I don't I can't completely follow that, and I don't know maybe that's just. The that maybe that's just the old school Republican that I used to be. That's the last remnant of it still in me. But, you know, okay, let's take, for example, Etsy. You know, it's a pretty level playing field. So I feel like it's, you know, it. it, yes, the better you do, it gets a little bit. (laughs) I know, but you also had copyright issue. I know that. But um, not even that. I'll, I'll, I'll get in here in a minute. Okay, but. So like that, for example, you know, it's it's possible to compete against other people. Now, um, you know, there are ways to gain the system and everything else. But for the most part, it's it's you know, it, it's not it's not overly bad, at least where I'm I'm at now. I'm sure there are other people who are probably doing other things in it. And there are probably some people who have become giants and have completely gained the system so that when you search for. Whatever it is, it's all of their shit listed in the first three or four rows, and no one else gets a chance to sell it. You know, and it's so. Like I said, I think it's there are still some places where it's still kind of a level playing ground, but I also know that they're you know like let's look at cable and internet, which I still think is a fucking basic human need at this point. Like at this point, the government should be telling everyone, listen, you're going to offer. Internet for say you know high speed internet for five dollars a month, you know something ridiculously cheap, or we're just gonna come in and wipe you out. But most municipalities, including ours, right now you can only have one cable company. Now there are ways to get around it by having different like phone connections or something like that. Like you could go through AT and T or something in some places, but in most places you get one cable provider. That's it. If you don't want cable, you got to find something else to do. And most of the time, it's nowhere near as good. That type of stuff is bullshit. Um, electricity, my wife sells electricity. 
the same way with electricity. She's tried selling it to different places, and they're like, sorry, we can't we can't offer it down there. It's not that we don't want to offer it down there. It's that this electrical company has made a deal with it, you know, with the city, and that's it. If you want electricity, you come through us. You pay our prices, or you don't get any electricity. And that's <laughs> anyway. So what I was going to say is, um, it's and forgive me. This is probably this is probably going to come off as rude, but I I believe that I believe that Americans are fed a lie from the very beginning. Uh, when you're born, you're told that you can do anything you want to do, and you're told that you can be whatever you want to be. And the American dream. American dream. And if you work hard enough and you put enough hours in, you can make it too. And that's bullshit. Yeah. Because look at how many people are working 70 hours a week just to make it. Two or just three to, jobs, yeah. Two or three jobs yep. just to make ends meet. That's insane. And that means that we're not treating our people properly. No, I agree. Yep. And, and, but they're fed this belief that if they continue to work hard every day, that they can make it too. And it's not, it doesn't exist. But the system is set up. Yeah, to to make you fail, to make you think I've got to work a 40-hour week job and have two side hustles and go to school and 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 it's like no, I don't fucking live to work. I'm not I'm not about that life. So it's a new type of way to make sure that uh that the rich stay rich because yep. So here's where we we've had class issues, right? For for hundreds of years, that's not new. America, you know, started developing a middle class what mid 20th century kind of after world war ii that i think that's kind world of world war ii is really what kicked like, it off you're right yeah yep. everyone came home and you know economy was doing good we had you know people making money going to school um the boomers were born into that you know life that's what they knew that's what they had growing up now they're looking at millennials and and zoomers gen x's gen xers and saying what the hell's wrong with you why can't you make it you know, th- we had this, this, and this. You, you, there's no reason for you to be struggling. And the world that they grew up in is different from the world that we're growing up in because, you know, they've kind of ruined education and job opportunities and passed all these laws, like you said, that give big corporations money. And it's like, yeah, these are systemic things that are hurting everybody, but they're hurting specific populations more than others. So Go get it's a college really degree a for a hundred thousand dollars so you can start off yeah. life that far in debt. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you can't get a job because you don't have the edu- you you have the education the but you don't have the experience. Yep. So how yeah. do you get a job? Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So while I understand what that you're saying, everybody has a, a level playing field. It is a very different. Okay. So. A level playing field. On, let me be very specific. Everyone has a level playing field on something like Etsy. Sure. That's what I meant. Just sure. because you can have a store, if you start to, you know, if you sell stuff, it starts to pick up. You can actually do okay. That's sure. what I'm saying. Here's where I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you, just for a little bit, because I'm gonna put it on a different spin. Let's say that it was a pop that you came up with, soda that you came up with, and it's a brand new root beer of some sort, and it's amazing tasting, and it beats Barks, and it beats everything else, and you put it out there, and everybody agrees with you. And then, you know, it starts getting some momentum and actually, you know, it builds out of side of Colleen next thing, you know, Dallas and Houston have it. And then somebody catches wind because, you know, Pepsi says, fuck, we don't want that. So they're either going to offer you money. And if you say no, 
they are going to spend their money, their ad money, to absolutely destroy you. And next thing you know, they're going to have all these horrible reviews and everything on your product saying that you're a piece of shit. And, and it's not true, but they can destroy you because they have the money to do it. I understand that, and that is complete, and I thought about the same thing. I mean, technically speaking, the things that I sell, well, at least the big thing that I sell, could be considered copyright. It also could be considered my artist interpretation of it. Yep. But honestly, if Hasbro comes knocking, it's like, well, I can't really even afford to have a lawyer to try to battle this out. So I I complete, I understand where you're coming from completely. And, and On I'm, a small scale, I understand. I think it can, it still works, but I understand what you're saying. Once you start swimming in too big of an ocean with too big a monster, I'm not even gonna say sharks, fucking monsters. Then yeah, it's you don't have a shot. It's no room yeah. for the little guys. I mean, guys. honestly, um, we're, you know, uh, um, uh, what is it called? Tesla. Tesla should not fucking exist, no. but it does. It they managed to 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 beat. They managed to beat the odds. Um, issues. Yeah. The thing that I, I think the I think one of the reasons for Etsy why it is more of a level playing field it, it just goes back to what I just said. The internet should be a fucking utility that everyone should have access to. It should not be expensive as shit as it is. Is because it does give everyone a much more level playing field. But now we're getting really into economics, so. <laughs> But he, like Let's you said, take and it I, back to I the did, book. But he did say that. He did specifically say, you know, cap- and the way that he phrased it, he's right. A lot of capitalism was built on the back of slaves. So, yeah, they're they're tied together. Like I said, I don't I think it's it is I think it is separating. But unfortunately, there's just so much shit underneath it. There's it's it goes back to we need to look at we need to look at these policies that we have in place. Some of them very long standing, but we need to go back and look at these policies that we have in place and what they're actually doing and are, do they even fucking make sense anymore? So, um, I was going to throw one thing out there. This might be a little controversial, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm not, I, I will save that for the after show just because evaluating it for, we'll go into it later. Um, okay. Anyway, does he, does he talk at all about, um, environmental racism or intersectional environmentalism. I don't think he touches on environmentalism at all. Um, no. Okay. Wait a minute. He does. He does bring up the fact that like, uh, environmental impact definitely tends to affect, uh, particularly the poor in, uh, Southern states, right. Where like, so like anytime yeah. that, you know, we have hurricanes and shit like that, he did bring that up. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, there's there's a lot of studies that show that natural disasters disproportionately affect people of color uh, or people in poverty. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, the, the, these disasters disproportionately affect those communities because a lot of times they're pushed into undesirable locations like floodplains or you know, areas that have a landfill or, you know, a just some kind of a, a negative thing, a NIMBY that, you know, I don't want that in my backyard, but somebody's got to live there. Right. So um, you've got that going on. And then you've also got, you know, just the fact that the folks in these situations can't afford to, to move away from them. 
Um, and also there's just not a lot of participation, you know, for one reason or another in, in nature, in the outdoors by a lot of these communities because it's just not accessible to them or they don't feel welcome there. Um, so there's recognizing that there's in the environmental, you know, impacts um, that are, it, it's all connected, but that's yet another way that, that, you know, people of color are in, disproportionately impacted and the people that have the privilege are the ones causing most of that, those issues. So. He did touch on that. He didn't go into it a lot, but he did, he did mention the fact that, you know, when there's um, specifically things like hurricanes and, and, and stuff like that, it's, it's, you know, it is certain people, you know, especially when we're looking at like Louisiana, that when we had those massive hurricanes, it was, it was mostly, you know, African-American people that were uh, hit and hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the effects of climate change are, are hitting the communities that are not responsible for it, you know, that aren't causing it. I mean, even up in, in Canada and Alaska, there's areas where tribes are having to move from their native grounds because the permafrost is literally falling into the ocean and it's disappearing. It, it's just it's so devastating to see that, like, the folks who are the most innocent are getting affected the worst by the it, things we're doing. It reminds it's a, a throwaway line, a throwaway line in uh, in a movie. Um, it's Maverick. I don't know if you remember the Mel Gibson Maverick. Uh, it was one. Oh, good old Mel Gibson back before uh, we uh, before. He was batshit crazy. What is it called? Canceled? Is that what? No. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So um, uh, the he's speaking to a Native American uh, about how gorgeous the area is that they're because the the native is uh, you know in this great. Great, amazing area. Got a mountain over here and like a bunch of trees and stuff. And he's like, oh, it's such a beautiful spot. And the Native American looks at him and he's like, yeah, you know what? Next time I'm going to pick a swamp because you guys keep taking, maybe then you'll leave me alone because you keep taking the end. And it's, but it it points to what you're talking about. It's, you know, you push them to the areas that you don't want because, well, at least they, you know, how can you complain? I gave you land. Well, yeah, you gave me yeah, yeah, think about the Native Americans that were yeah. pushed onto the reservations. And here in Canada, we're still fighting for for to try and get uh, a lot of tribes, um, a lot of uh, different areas, clean water, which is still insane. The pipeline. Oh, that's another thing. The pipelines the that thing. are being run through, you know, these low income communities, and that, you know, you don't see that shit happening in white communities. Um, Flint, Michigan still does not have clean water. I mean, <laughs> come on. There's just so much environmental disparity and it's, it's because it's not a priority because, well, I have what I need and I don't think about the fact that, you know, other people don't. Yeah. And I don't want to spend my money to help you. It's yeah. inconvenient for me. So I'm just going to keep living my life instead of trying to equal the playing field and, you know, make sure we all have access. Well, we've been going for almost an hour, so let's go ahead and start kind of wrapping up. Like I said, uh, not a lot of tangents. Sorry, listeners. What it, it's it, they are tangents, but they also wrap back into the central thing. And like I said, for me, the central takeaway from this was, um, I'm like you, Ray. You know, I used to say, "Well, I'm colorblind," or, or you know, I don't see color, which that wasn't the case, but it, it sounded good until it was kind of explained to me a little bit better. I was like, okay, yeah, that I understand where that doesn't sound the way I think it sounds. It sounds differently to someone else. 
Um, but the big the big takeaway for me from the book that I you know I did like I did like the idea is that it wasn't you know we need we need policies that are going to um, help specific people we need policies that help everyone like literally flat across the board if you need help and you know you meet these certain qualifications that are not generally not specific to any individual that's what we need to be going towards we don't need policies that especially because you know there are groups of people out there who are like oh well you know i've been i've been shit on you know forever i'd like you know i want something else i want to be treated better and it's like that's not what i'm you know he's like that's not what i'm looking for he said i want policies that say you know you are a human being you committed this crime this is your punishment period doesn't matter how rich you are it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter you committed this crime this is your punishment period and i'm like yes that's what we fucking need you know you're a human being you are a citizen of the united states you get to vote doesn't matter about any of this other shit if you meet those two qualifications you're human and you're a u.s citizen you get to vote done but or at least the age 18 and, and well, yes, I mean, well, yes, there's specific things, but I'm like, okay, so 18 human U.S. citizen, you get to vote. And yeah. we need to tear out all of that bullshit that, that prevents people from being able to do that. We need to tear out those, you know, the systematic racism, the poll, everything. We need to tear that shit out. We need to reevaluate it and we need to get back so that we can at least try to get everyone on the same footing. Um, I mean, people are still, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to have different things happen. You're going to, you know, if you lose your parents at a young age, if you, you know, you had a house fire, you, you know, there, there are going to be things that set people back. There are going to be things that set people forward. That's not what we're interested in. We're interested in making it so that it doesn't matter who you are. You can at least have the same basic rights. And like I said, that when, when he got that across in the book, um, and like I said, he, he talks about like he what that wasn't how he was growing up. Like he was militant. He was like, you know, fuck the police. You know, I hate white people. You know, y'all are all bastards or whatever. And then he has that realization and he's like, I need to center myself. I need to find out who I am and what I'm really about and what it is I'm against. And like I said, th- like literally it's middle of the road. And I, you know, I do lean one way or the other politically, but I'm always for, hey, let, let's get to the, let's get to the middle of the road. That's what I'm really shooting for is just balance. And I mean, that's something that years ago I tried to find in my life and I'm still trying to find in my life is trying to find balance. And it seems like when things go one way or the other too far, that's when I start having issues and everything else. And of course my needle's all over the place right now, but. You know, it's it's balance that I'm shooting for. And that's what I took away from the book. And what I really liked is he's looking for, um, you know, balance, balance between all races. Just like he said, being anti-racist, not putting in policies that help any particular per- putting in policies that help everyone. So, uh, Ray, final thoughts. Um, I, I'm I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to kind of open my eyes a little bit more and, uh, and, you know, take a, a bit of an evaluation of myself. And, uh, the next book I want to read is actually Jim Crow. Uh, the new Jim Crow is the, is one of the ones that I was listed. Um, so I actually, uh, threw this book out there with Jen, um, 
back when it was all suggested because of a person that I follow. He's on the Steve Dangle podcast. Uh, his name is Jesse Blake. Um, and he put these five books out here, out there just saying, you know, if you are interested, uh, so he listed five of them and one of the ones, the, the new Jim Crow. So I'll be listening to that one as well. Um, but this just, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to take at least a step into becoming an anti-racist and doing what I can to there. I've, uh, you know, I'm thankful that he, um, he acknowledged that he had racism and that he, um, it was amazing to me, the racist, uh, how he was even admits that he's racist against his own race and how that was actually built into ethnic the, racism, you know. ethnic racism and everything. So, uh, it was, it was, I don't know. It was just really well done. If, if you're at all even interested in, in please go listen to this book if you haven't done so. Um, and take a look at what you're doing to try and at least help uh, help move the, the policies where they need to go. Jen? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, a big fan of anything that challenges me and makes me kind of think about my role and how I can contribute better, how I can help educate other people. Um, I think that's where it all starts, right? I mean, we can protest, we can post on social media, we can do all these things, but if we're not actually looking at ourselves critically and committing to, you know, changing our own behavior, our own thought process, then it doesn't really make a difference. Um, it's all just kind of lip service. So, I mean, I was, I was glad to read what I read. I'm going to finish it and then, you know, try to keep educating myself. Um, I will suggest for listeners who are interested a couple podcasts that I've found helpful. 1619 um, is it's like a short six episode series that starts um, in 1619 when the first ship full of slaves landed in the U.S. And it looks at kind of the repercussions of that over the years, the different parts of society. Um, NPR has one called Code Switch, which looks at race issues and then Pod Save the People on Crooked Media is another good one that kind of talks about a lot of this stuff. So if you're looking for other resources, I'd say, you know, check those out. And then there's plenty of books out there as well. Well, that is our episode for the month, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to what else we might have been reading. <laughs> uh, we've all been pretty busy or sick or anything else. Uh, Jen, have you been reading anything else? or? Mm, no, not really. Just... Uh, Ray, anything else? Uh, I re-listened because I'm trying to prepare for uh, the search for Bender. So I re-listened to the Bobiverse books. I need a little bit of hope. So <laughs> Bender. And, and that book gives me hope. Right? So yes, it does. <laughs> so I re-listened to those and then I've uh, been re-listening to uh, all the Harry Potters as well. Uh, back on to uh, Half-Blood Prince right now. So Very cool. Um I really haven't been listening to a lot of stuff. I The other book that I read, just to, to tell you of the um, uh, dedication I have for this show. Um, yeah, like I said, I was not really in the mind to read this book just because of everything that's going on in my life. The other book that I've started reading, and I've got about an hour left of it, uh, is called It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. Um I think I and that it's 
Yeah, it's about grief and dealing with grief. And it's hard because, like I said, I, I know I'm having some anxiety and stuff right now. And just it's how my body is unfortunately coping with all of this. Um, and plus there's just a bunch of other shit going on. But anyway, um, it's, I have liked it just because, uh, when the, the reviews, you know, I read a lot of people were like, yes, thank you for, for writing this way because it's, she lost her partner suddenly, he drowns and she's just like, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive, but everyone who's come up to tell you that, you know, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You're stronger than this, whatever is bullshit. And I know you're trying to help, but just shut the fuck up. And not that I've really gotten that. The, the people, my friends and family have been very understanding. And it's been, you know, you know, um, if you need to talk, if you need something, you know, it's, it's been more of that. And, and of course, that's what she says is, you know, that's what's helpful. Um, but like, and, and she talks, she's done, you know, th- she was actually a therapist or whatever. And some of the horrendous things that she's heard people say i'm just like how could you ever say that to someone about like especially like if it was something blaming well they should have taken better care of themselves or they and it's just like you know well my you know there's so-and-so died of can't you know she mentions like at one part someone lost their child and they're like well you're young you could have another child that how the fuck do you tell that to someone like somebody doesn't have a kid then exactly it's like saying Um, all grandparents matter if your grandfather dies like the, yes you know the, the black lives matter thing all lives matter like <laughs> and what's interesting is is not only is it not only is she covering grief of just like loss of um you know loss of a person in your life uh she doesn't really extend it too much to an animal but she also brings up things like you know this book is for anyone who maybe you know you lost your leg for whatever reason like you things are never going to be the same. You're never going to get back to the way it was. You know, that person in your life is never going to come back. This is about dealing with how are you going to go on and however that's going to change you or whatever. And you, everyone does it differently. And so it's a good book. Um, if for whatever reason, if you are going through something like this right now, um, it's, it's probably a pretty good book to read. If you're not really going through anything, Heavy loss wise right now, I don't know if I'd recommend it. Like maybe if you want to like prepare yourself for that mindset, like maybe if you have someone that unfortunately is terminally ill or something. But um yeah, it's it definitely it definitely affects everyone differently and it it's very open about that. It's very much just like, you know, however you handle it, just just do what just do what you have to do to keep going and don't you know, most, unfortunately, most everyone who's trying to help you is full of shit. Don't listen to them. <laughs> so, you know, there was a little part of me that was like, well, I haven't really experienced that, thank God. Uh, but, you know, I, I have heard a couple of things here and there, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't really believe that. So, whatever. Um, anyway, so that's what I've been reading. Hopefully, hopefully more happy times uh, coming up. So, I, I read that entire series that that Sean told us about the uh, the the sailing in the stars book or whatever and the way it ends is okay and he's like well there's technically another series i'm like i have to get that so because <laughs> i have to find out what happens anyway um well thanks that is our show for the month ladies and gentlemen next month we will finish the third book in the star wars trilogy in the aftermath trilogy which is empire's end 
Um, so if that's what you're looking for, come back then for it. Um, as always, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com and epicallygeeky on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We do have the other shows such as the Epically Geeky Show, the Marginally Geeky Show, Sustainably Geeky. Um, and we've been trying to stay on a monthly episode release for all of those. Uh, we have procrastinators. We'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> I saw Ray, you know, rubbing his hands together like, sure. oh, that's right. There's, there's this other one. Um, so where can we find you online, Jen? Um, you can find me here on all the geeky shows. Um, sustainably geeky is the one that I host about the environment. And um, the one we'll be posting this month is about public lands. So um, that should be really cool. We'll also have a couple bonus episodes coming up um, to talk about some some public lands in the works and see the process for turning those into to national parks. Um, so you can also find me on social media at Het's Gonna Be Me. Ray, where can we find you online? Uh all the shows that you've already talked about. Uh, and then also uh, on Instagram, the Reluctant Yeti. And uh, on, sometimes on Facebook, uh, you can search out for the artist uh, Raymond Andrew, and uh, you'll see my picture there. So, yeah. Good deal. And as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.